everyone, welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. And Benjamin Holden. Today's podcast is really exciting because we have some news. So if you're listening to the podcast, we appreciate appreciate you guys an awful lot. And because you're listening, you know a day early before any other person that the My Coach School app is releasing on the 19th of November. This, so is, this is the thing now, now you've said that, there's going to be some pushback again with the app. No, there's not. No, there's release. not. If, if you guys know the story of the app, it's it's basically, it's been, it's been a little bit, it's been a little bit pushed back over the course. 13 months it's taken. <laughs> They've taken 13 months and we were promised six, which is obviously a really hard thing when you have thousands of members who think you are launching an app in June. March. March and then June and then August and it got pushed back. The reason for this is because it's a custom built app and it's completely built from scratch by us. So it's not yeah. like, it's not an app that we've just put the logo on or it's completely yeah. different to anything you will have ever seen. It's the best thing in the whole entire world. I said this to Cal the other day and there's no disrespect to the people who also do this with apps, but it's not some bullshit app where we've just signed up and someone's give us a blueprint and we put our logo on it. Yeah. It's literally been built from the ground up. Even little things on there where there's little things on the weight graph where there's like a little circle. You don't know how long you have to spend that on getting that little circle. Oh, it it makes me it makes me really respect other apps that I'm yeah, using a lot more. Yeah, 100%. But if you want to find out also more about the app, you can also click the link in the description yes. in the YouTube video or in the podcast notes because we will also have a, a page with lots of information on the app as well yeah. where you can sign up for early opt-in. Early opt-in? With a disease. With, with a discount. I don't, I've never used the phrase dizzy for discount. See, I don't, thi- I don't think a lot of people would know what dizzy means. I think they would. But yeah, if you sign up, you're going to get notified about a hella crazy discount. And we're just, we're so, so excited. We know how excited all of our members are and new pending members will be when they have yeah. the My Coach School app. So 19th, save the date, right on your forehead, put it on a sticky note on your mirror, chant it every night. Woo! <laughs> Up, up, up. <laughs> and we continue. Other exciting news. Is there? This, well, my YouTube video will already be up, but me and Cal did a YouTube video last week where I was pregnant for 24 hours. Oh, yeah. I bought a pregnancy, pregnancy suit, suit from, I don't know where it was from, actually. Was it not from Amazon, surely? No, it was from, are you joking? It cost me an arm and a leg. It was so real. I wonder why. why I wonder what? why that would... It was, well, I was going to try and pick it up then and find it. I'll get, it's I just like put, porcelain. We, we, can, we can go to the YouTube video on my YouTube. Just like a squishy. You, they, I think it was 250 quid. <gasps> you could get a. No, it wasn't. Are you sending it back? No, I'm fucking keeping it. What's our face for? What are you going to say to the accountant when they're like, is this a business expense? So yeah, bloody is. Yeah, it's a I've pregnancy been pregnant belly. For a day. Yeah. Wow. You, you can get silicone ones, which are 500 that quid. Is... They're going to just be confused. I felt like Miss Doubtfire. Do you know what? I, so, to be fair, I bet like the silicone ones are actually using like movies and films and TV. Like yeah. proper no, like pregnancy bellies. I think they were used for theatre and stuff. But you were actually quite good at being pregnant for the day, weren't you? No, I wasn't. I was moaning after a couple of hours. I couldn't do nine months. Tell you that right now. Thank no you. chance. Thank you. Pending. So, yeah, head over, check it out. It was very, very funny. We also have a 
giveaway competition for you today as well. And all you have to do is go on to Apple or Spotify. I don't know if Spotify have it. I think it's Apple. Go on to Apple Podcasts and Lucy will explain how you do it because it is very confusing as well. But hop over onto Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review of the podcast because you fucking love it. And leave a little note on there and also leave your Instagram handle on there as well so that we can find you. We're going to select someone at random at the end of the month to win a My Protein giveaway bundle, which will be worth, I don't know, quite a bit because we'll throw quite a lot of goodies in there for you. And yeah, Lucy, so, explain how it works. Yeah, so the way that you do it, so you'd think you could just click on the podcast that it's already in your like subscribe list, but you cannot do that. I don't know why. You have to go to the search bar, type in the Not So Fit Couple podcast, click on it, scroll down, and there'll be the little stars. Mm-hmm. Again, obviously, if that five, five star. Click that, and then you can write a little review, leave your Instagram handle, I think it's like submit or save or whatever it is. It yeah. literally takes two seconds, but for us, it really, it really, really helps us in terms of just like the podcast, getting it pushed out yeah. and getting more people listening to it, which is obviously an amazing thing because we love the podcast and we think you guys do as well. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it mean a lot to us if you can do it personally. Yeah, it would. It would really mean a lot to us. And today's episode is a killer episode. It's a yeah. really cool episode. Firstly, I wanted to talk about something I've had quite a few questions about. Again, it always crops up and it's intermittent fasting. I think a lot of people still don't really understand it or know what it is. So I just wanted, to, I know we've done, spoke about it before, but I really wanted to kind of just brush over some of the stuff, some of the myths, some of the ways that you can use it and some of the things to probably avoid. Yeah. The, I was just explaining to Cal before what I find quite frustrating about intermittent fasting, the way people, because there's levels, I think, of intermittent fasting where people really go hard, do like five, two, or they really strictly stick to like 16, eight, for example. However, with intermittent fasting, it doesn't need to be so like categorized. And a lot of people say on social media, you're skipping breakfast. You're not skipping a meal. You're not not eating those calories in that food. You're just having it later in the day. So for example, I got up this morning, had a coffee, and then I went to the gym and I had breakfast at 11 o'clock. I didn't skip it. I've just pushed all my meals back. I stopped eating it around what, 9.45 p.m.? So there's not that 16-8 categorized thing, but I am technically fasting in the morning because I have breakfast later and I, I train fasted. Yeah. Do you know what? Some people moan about it and get a bit arsey about it because they're like, breakfast is the best meal of the day. Like, well, eggs still taste the same at 11 or 12 o'clock. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> my oat bowl? Yeah, it still tastes exactly the same. Fantastic. Do you know what my theory is? And I, know, I know it's not 100% true of who, creating, who created intermittent fasting. Mm. People who love brunch. That's a good theory. Because it's in between yeah. breakfast and lunch. So it doesn't mean you're skipping breakfast because those people who have brunch, I'm a big brunch man, by the way, yeah. just have eggs, bacon, sausage a little bit later on in the day. Yeah. That is my theory. People who love brunch created intermittent fasting. But I'm that, sticking to that. You can't tell me otherwise. No, I'd, I'd trademark that. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, but like one of the things is, it's like I wake up in the morning, wake up at half six, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. Who was? What was that impression? And you just did. So it was like it was like anger. It's husk that came from the chest. <gasps> Speak with chest. Speak with chest. <gasps> Speak with chest. <laughs> um, no, but I'm genuinely not hungry. So <laughs> calm down, then. <sighs> I'm genuinely not hungry, so I'm not going to force feed myself just because that's 
having breakfast as soon as you wake up is the social norm thing to do. I'm yeah, not hungry is, yeah. and I, I don't like training on a full stomach. It makes me feel really sick mm. and stodgy. Therefore, I don't do it. There's no magical reason why I train fasted. It's not for fat loss. It's for nothing like that. I'm still strong when I train without food. So all these little, these little fads that get pulled from social media, that's like, oh, if you're training fast, does it mean you're, you're aiming to burn fat? Yeah. I'm categorically not. I just don't want to throw up in my session. Yeah. And you, you're not creating any more of a deficit, by the way, by you just moving the meal timings along and that's that's all you're doing. And if, you, if you're a bit of a greedy fucker like me as well, you get hungry at night, then you just get more bang for your buck because you're just moving your foods further along the day where your appetite is potentially higher as well. So all you're doing is, is basically matching where your hunger is in the day. It's a, it's a simple way of, of looking at it. And the, the thing is as well, like, I've just pulled up the definition before of intermittent fasting and think, I think things like definitions definitions can sometimes confuse people. Yeah. So the, the de- if you look on Google, intermittent fasting is an eating plan that switches between fasting and eating on, re- on a regular schedule. Research shows that intermittent fasting is a way to manage your weight and prevent or even reverse some forms of the disease. I think that's confusing in, in itself. I mean, I think there's probably more correlation than causation with intermittent fasting. That, and what I mean by this is people who probably intermittent fast are more, uh, potentially more likely to stick to their diet and that's why they lose weight rather than the intermittent fasting actually causing the weight loss. That's just me stabbing in the dark of it. And when it's talking about forms of disease, I don't know how you actually pronounce this because I always get it wrong, but I call it autophagy. Autophagy? Yeah. What are you saying there? Autophagy, which is where the body... Is the body's how are you spelling that? Auto, P-H-A-G-Y. Autophagy? Yeah. It's it Autophagy. 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 Yeah. Like it's, it's body's way of cleaning out damaged cells in order to uh, like regenerate new ones and healthier ones. It's 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 one of the ways that like helps prevent cancer. There's a lot of books on that, isn't there? There's yeah, a guy who's again, done a lot of books on intermittent fasting. Yeah, but it's not... In, stick, 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 sticking to a calorie deficit does the same thing. So it's not intermittent fasting that does it. It's being in a deficit that also helps damage out... Cl- uh, clear out damaged cells i guess that's a fad as well which you've kind of just described by saying being in a calorie deficit is a point of fat loss and weight loss Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people think people only fast to eat less food i'm nearly in a surplus and i'm i fast it (laughs) do you know what i mean it's not i just prefer to have more food later on in my day and that's personal preference it doesn't mean I'm in a calorie deficit. I know a lot of people do, but I don't. that's not like you have to be in a calorie deficit. That is the exact reason why people do intermittent yeah. fasting. I'm literally just close to being in a surplus and I, I eat in a smaller time frame. Yeah. But technically, do I if I finish eating at 9.45 p.m.? What do you mean? So this whole thing about 16.8, yeah, where you the, fast okay. for 16 and eat in an eight-hour window, I start eating at 11 and finish at basically 10 p.m., 11 hours it doesn't matter though. and this is the thing with like the most popular method which is 16 8 and, and basically that means there's no eating between that 16 hour and you'd look at that and go that's absolute fuckery wouldn't you like yeah to look at that from if you're an everyday person who's not doing intimate fasting you'd be like what are you mad yeah and then you break it down into well i sleep for eight hours and potentially i'm going to the gym for two hours and what i mean by that is taking in consideration travel shower 
so you, you're busy there 10 hours you're doing shit and work during the day so like by the time time has passed like you can, th- that 16 hours is, is, is easily achieved but also at the same time you don't need to get caught up in systems and it's always going to be difficult to try and stick to someone else's system. Yeah. Like you you can move the goalpost. You can create your own system, and that's what that's what we do with it. Just because like you've looked at someone else's method of doing something doesn't mean you need to stick to that exact. You can adopt things. You can throw away shit that you don't want. It like we've said before, health and fitness is is like a toolbox. You're putting your own tools, and they're the ones that work for you, and throwing away that doesn't. So you can take that sixteen eight principle. You can apply it to your own day, but you can slightly move the goalpost a little bit. I.e., you don't have to start eating it too. And finish at 10 you can start at 11 and finish at 9 if you really yeah. want you don't have to stick to 16 8 there's, there's no magic in those numbers that's just some uh, a method that someone's come up with and gone 16 8 method yeah no definitely and i feel as though intermittent fasting in general has got i just think it's got quite a bad rep on social media as in like people think it's like a bad thing I think like so. we oh, know sorry. loads of <laughs> i usually interrupt ben and he apologized then that was nice you interrupted me with oh, that. I was a gentleman. You are. Like, we've met a lot of people on social media who slander fasting on social media. And fucking do it. And do it themselves. We know them. It's like, what? I don't, I really can't wrap my head around that. I'm like, it's not a bad thing. If you do it, you do it. Yeah. Why are you then saying it's a bad thing when it's not a bad thing? It is popular to slate it. And I think it's really strange when you know yeah. people and you're like, well, you do yeah. it yourself, so I'm, you're not really practicing what you preach. I'm not a fucking diehard fasting zealot, no, by the way, not, pushing you down the throat to do it. But I just do it because we train in the morning. By the time we've got home and I've had a shower and a shit, it's probably 11 o'clock, so I'm going to eat It then. is. That is the exact reason. Yeah. And, that, and most people will be the same. And a lot of people will be the same, though. Especially if you train in the morning and you get to work and it's like, oh, shit, it's 10 o'clock now. Yeah. My mum's the same now. Yeah. I remember she started doing it. She was like, I'm just like forcing my porridge down me yeah. when I'm not hungry when I wake up. And she was like, I'm just going to start waiting a little bit. And she. She finds it so much better personally for herself. Yeah, exactly. And that, that that's it. I mean, when we look at like the benefits of intermittent fasting, it's essentially, it's just meal timings. And when we look at the like the nutritional and fat loss pyramid or hierarchy, when we have the, the fundamentals and the things that you should be prioritizing first in order to achieve weight loss, the first one's going to be calorie intake. That's the most mm-hmm. important, i.e. your calorie deficit. Second thing is going to be looking at your micronutrients. Are you getting enough protein in? The third thing is going to be looking at your micronutrients. Next, then, above that, is going to be nutrient timing. Mm-hmm. So I, you could be using intermittent fasting, whatever it may be. And last, you've got supplements. So they're the hierarchy of needs. So when you look at intermittent fasting, you're essentially just looking at nutrient timing. It's not massively important. It's more of a, a habit and routine kind of thing, which is going to aid what you're doing with your diet and your your hierarchy of needs. Yeah, it's a little bit like when you get those people who are really training optimally for something and they categorically say they have to eat protein in that 20-minute window post-training. That's op- that for them. They think that's optimal. That's nutritional timing like to the T. Yeah. You don't really need to be doing that. Yeah. It's unless bit- you're like a, a complete pro. That's just people have been searching Brugal though, isn't it? <laughs> If you have Google and you have Brogle, Bro- the bros like to go on Google and just type in shit to try and satisfy their what they their beliefs. But even when I was a swimmer, our nutritionist said, you've got to get your protein shake down you right after your session. And I didn't know none the why. But I where used to she have... got that from? It's just, it's Chinese whispers. He just said it. 
that's just what what we were told to do it this protein shake which we want the time that i had was absolutely minging and a whole pot of cottage cheese what's the stupidest things someone's told you that you've actually done health and fitness wise i mean because we've all been there we've all we've all been told something i well i think for me when i was a swimmer and i was completely detached from good food and bad food i was categorically told that i what i couldn't could not eat and what was good food and what was bad food yeah. So if I went to reach for a chocolate, I would I would be told to my face, you can't have that, Lucy, that's bad. That's a bad food. And that's just completely incorrect, yeah. like categorizing things so heavily into good food and bad food that I was then scared to even approach foods that were under this umbrella of bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever st- stuck to any fads. I'm, I asked the question on Instagram the other day of like shit that you've heard in the fitness industry, that's stupid. I'm trying to look through some of them. But I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head of me sticking to anything which was like particularly faddy. I, when I was 18, I think, no, 19 after I'd quit swimming, I subscribed to Booty. Did you really? Yeah, me and my sister. It was a freaking fucking laxative. Honestly, this thing, I think it was as well when my, my eating sort of first started. So I had, I was very drawn to this idea of booty that was going to cleanse me and literally just made me shit. <laughs> Honestly. So yeah, I was subscribed to that. I had like a 24 day thing and it was like rolled over into the next month. So that yeah. was something that I quickly realized just wasn't for me. I only did one of one course of it. I was trying to think of one. I think the only thing I've done was the stupid shit before lads holidays, like I'd do a two or three day depletion on carbs and then a carb up like I was doing a bodybuilding show. That <laughs> is so weird before a last holiday. We used to, I used to eat steak I all day. you all used to do it, I couldn't, couldn't shit to save my life because I was so bunged up on fats and protein and steaks and I carb, carb up like mad. But that they, those lads' holidays were all bodybuilding shows. No, but do you remember actually, you just reminded me, before our Europe trip, Yeah. before we went we to Europe, you introduced me to that. You had really bad eating disorder tendencies here and you said, okay, for the three days before we go, we'll just have steak and broccoli. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah, we did. Why? And I was like, what? I was like, why? That is a thing, by the way, in regards to like, it's not, a, it's not a made up thing. You, like before a bodybuilding show, you will have high protein, high fats to try and clear out all the glycogen from the tissue to try and make yourself look as hard as possible and then you will call what's looking nice and full but you don't need to do it for a, no, no, a no. fucking holiday. No, but do you remember? Because yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I've never heard of this. And that was, what, three, year, three or four years ago now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely also, that's quite heavily involved with your mindset yeah. in terms of where you're at psychologically. I didn't really do it like you did it because I was still having potatoes and stuff like that. But you were going through a quite difficult time in terms of your NES. The other, the other thing that someone mentioned, and this is just off a bit off topic, is someone said well, the one of the things that pisses them off is men versus women portion sizes. I don't know if I mentioned this on last week's podcast. I've never really seen that. Men versus women portion sizes. I don't know if that's a social construct where she feels like she can't, because it was a a girl who sent over, where she feels she she's kind of been misled or socially coached by other males. Like, oh, we should eat more. I don't know what it is. But I've never seen physically on packaging male versus portion sizes the only other thing you see is 
when you look at the recommended calorie intake is that females should be having less than males and that's based on the the average population population sorry ours that's, is 2000 isn't it and that's because males are bigger than females what, that's what's mate what's the guys 2400 i think it is mm-hmm. or 2200 i can't actually remember but, and that's not me being like oh he's a sexist misogynist pig guys are just genetically bigger there's, there's some stuff where genetics and biology is a fucking thing we can't just bend over backwards to the pc culture like males are, are born bigger than females and, and have higher testosterone levels so they're going to grow more and be bigger and that's why they will need more calories because if you are bigger and heavier you will expend more energy yeah yeah statistically they're just basing it off an average aren't they i guess with that portion sizes thing we eat pretty much the same thing but we just have slightly different portions we i have more oats than you i have more yogurt than you but your meals in the day tend to be bigger than mine and they're quite a bit more calorie dense and that is just because you are twice the weight of me yeah maybe triple no that's not true i'm not even twice the weight of what you're talking about yeah you are no, bloody not. I know you're not. Are you not? <laughs> no, not two of you. I might be. Well, I'm quite dense, actually, so maybe not. <laughs> right, let's move on anyway. The, the I just describe myself as dense. <laughs> the word dense, you know. Muscular. I like, I like, I'm muscular. Like dense and girth. I think that's a really I don't think girth's a very nice word. He's a girthy guy. He's it, dense. He's a, a girthy guy. He's a girthy girl. <laughs> I don't think I think a muscular woman is strong that's just yeah. I'm a muscular woman that's a strong stance fuck you up I'm a strong I'm, str- I'm strong fuck you up you lift heavy <laughs> shit yeah yeah bro um, but yeah with, with fasting you don't have to try and fit into those social constructs or those norms of the 16-8 try it give it a go if you don't want to do it don't fucking do it if it doesn't mm-hmm. work for you you don't have to but at first you probably will feel a little bit hungry because you're trying to adapt to, to different things and different habits and whenever you're trying to implement a new habit it is difficult whether that's an eating habit or whether that's an everyday habit it's going to be more difficult I guess what's like one important thing to note is people shouldn't like save calories if they're fasting like they they shouldn't necessarily get to an evening and they have like, I don't know, 1,500 calories left. That's not the place really you want to be. Because that's a lot to eat in one go right before bed. I'm actually going to talk about this in a minute when we... Uh, oh, okay. So yeah, you stuff. shouldn't just like save. That's a, that's a cycle. That's a, You've got a different mindset there if you're doing it to save there's, there's benefits and shit loads of calories. Too, yeah. yeah. The other thing I want to talk about because I did it by accident the other day. And it, this is another thing as well that often... I think people look at on Facebook and stuff and it's become a lot, it became a bigger trend with, through lockdown, with cold showers and cold water immersion. Oh, I spoke about that last. I thought we were going to go into the snacking. Oh, we can do that then if you want. But yeah, I think we should do that. Oh, we'll just do what you want to do then. But, 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 but to be fair, the way you sent it me on WhatsApp this morning was in the chronological order that okay, I Okay, well, to be up. fair, it fits quite well what, you were, talk, fit what you were talking about there anyway, so we'll go into... What we're going to talk about, which is nighttime snacking, because you've just talked about one of the points that I was going to mention in regards to saving a lot of calories later on and assumptions about eating late at night based on correlation, not causation. And, and again, what I mean by that is people who tend to eat a lot later on at night tend to be of a higher BMI. 
And again, that is more correlation. Is that a statistic? Yeah. That's that is, interesting. That's more correlation than causation now. And I think that the, there's something that came out years ago in the news with this um, stat. And what I did was made people think, oh, I can't eat after six o'clock. And this, this is where that stupid notion of not That's... eating fuck all after six o'clock came from because people were scared and duped into it by a correlation, correlation study rather than causation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you heavier by eating later at night. But this is why one of the topics we want to speak about was how you can potentially decrease your snacking later on at night because loads of people do it. I do it sometimes. What was I like without peanut butter last night? I was yeah, balls you, deep into that nut. Yeah. You just did not stop spooning no. it. I was just staring at you. My, you did that, it upstairs that's as well. My, if I was Superman, if someone threw peanut butter at me, dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> yeah, dead. What passed? <laughs> you do though, don't you? Peanut butter's yeah. there. Peanut butter's almond one. butter. No, almond butter. Almond well, butter stronger than peanut butter. I had actually got had a point here because I think a lot of it, a lot of the time, snacking before bed is a habit that has been created yep. over a long period of time and it becomes almost subconscious that you don't really know you're doing it could literally be a bite of something before bed it becomes autonomous is that a word it does it completely becomes autonomous i was only thinking autonomous is that autumn? autumnals autumnal is the season yeah. of autumn okay. thank you like leaves enough. brown Pumpkin spice latte, Ooh. which I'm gonna get Ooh. later. <laughs> pumpkin spice latte. I've had one every day since they've Let's come out. Let's not digress. Digress. <laughs> digress. Does that go backwards? Yeah, like get away from the point. Okay, yeah. My point is that it becomes a habit over time, mm-hmm. and you do it when you're not hungry. Yep. You're not actually hungry. We spoke about on the podcast on the bulking episode the difference between cravings and hunger. Hunger. Hunger? Hunger. Hunger. And the difference is a lot of the time when you get that little snack before bed, which can sometimes escalate or sometimes it is just a bite of something or a bit of almond butter or peanut butter. It's just something that you you automatically do before bed. And the thing is, the way to probably get out of that is to change a habit. Could be like with anything, like biting your nails. It's recognizing that you're doing it first. Recognizing, identifying that you're doing it. But it was like me, I bit my nails for so many years. I knew what I was doing. I had to break the habit. Mm-hmm. To break a habit, Atomic Habits is a great book, by the way, for this. Make that habit less attractive. Make it harder. So if there's one thing that you have before bed, potentially Ben with the almond butter, I should probably hide it. And if he goes to the cupboard and he's like, oh, it's not there. You you just go to you just go Do down to thinking? bed. I was thinking those protein pop rolls that are in the cupboard upstairs need to get rid of them. Because how often do we... What, the little yeah. my protein? Yeah, but how often oh, do we just go in there and take a nibble of them? Because it's just habit. But oh, it, that TV is habit. on. Oh, should we have a little nibble of pop rolls? We have yeah. this really bad habit where we just nibble protein bars <laughs> and put them back. <laughs> I bet we're the only people who do that. And then that. when you... Do you know when, like, you, I've known there's a little bit left and I go to get it. I know you've <laughs> and it pisses me off. But I can't open a new one. <laughs> we do do that but again that is a habit, habit and that yeah. always happens before bed it, yeah. it's probably not good for your teeth though why no, they're constantly not. nibbling at these things good, that's a good point um, habit, we are sponsored by my protein and the bars are absolutely fucking fantastic <laughs> by the way that's why we can't stop eating them you can use either my code or ben's code which mm. is lucy d or my coach benji just to let you know yeah the, that's a very good point with habits and i think i'm sometimes quite poor for that and something that i tried to recognizing this podcast again will probably make me recognize that oh shit i do that sometimes i need to stop doing it just on the point that i was speaking about with people eating late the other kind of misconsumption 
with eating later at night is that metabolic rate changes. Misconsumption. Yeah. Misconception. Misconception. Yeah. Misconsumption is when you consume Consumption is when because we've just been talking about food. Consuming food and thinking about food. So much time on peanut butters and pop rolls. People's misconception is that metabolic rate changes so that because my metabolic rate is potentially lower in the evening, I shouldn't eat as much food because I'm not going to utilize the energy as well. And because I'm asleep and not moving as much, it means that's going to be stored as fat. And that's what the general consensus is. And I think that's pushed by sh- by people who chat shit, basically. But metabolic rate from morning to evening is different. I, your metabolic rate mm-hmm. is higher in the morning. But your metabolic rate from, say, 12 or noon, afternoon time, to evening before bed and through bedtime is exactly the same. Yeah. So if you were going to go off that basis or that ethos, you wouldn't fucking eat apart from in the morning. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only time that metabolic rate is actually really, really high. Yeah. So it's got nothing to do with that don't be scared about eating late on same thing with carbs as well like carbs don't know what fucking time of day is you can just eat them whenever you want the reason why most people tend to gain weight from snacking at night is more so because nobody's snacking on fucking carrot sticks and hummus at night are they people people are wanting satiating stuff like the good movie foods like ben and jerry's or full sleeve of jaffa cakes yeah people are slamming them away people aren't slamming carrots and hummus I like carrots. Yeah, but you're a weirdo, <laughs> so it doesn't count. Carrots and peanut butter is great, by so the way. So the, the big question is, how do we manage those cravings later mm. in the day? How do we stop going in for the peanut butters and stuff? That's that's that question to me. Because just saying to people, yeah, enjoy them. Like, listen to your body. Put those foods in. For some people, that's not fucking helpful. Mm. For some people, do they want to stop it's Really unhelpful on for some yeah. people. And, like, one of the things that we can do and this is something that you touched on before, is saving some calories for later on the day, i.e. intermittent fasting. The The point that you made equally is that saving too much food later on the day can sometimes have a negative impact because what we do is we just really, really restrict calories too much in a day to where you're ravenously hungry. And even if you save that amount of calories for later on the day, you've allowed yourself that ravenous hunger to build up so much that even if you eat a meal, which is potentially quite calorically dense, you're not full from it. Mm. You could eat your arm and you're still still hungry. That's because you just let yourself get so hungry. You're like a bottomless pit that you can just never fill. Yeah, one of the things with that as well is... Sorry, that's why when sometimes, if you're not on a Saturday evening, you're like, I'm not going to eat all day because I'm going for a meal later on. You go for a meal and you're just like an absolute pig. You just can't stop eating. It's sometimes better just to have a meal before you go for a meal because then at least when you go, your hunger isn't absolutely ravenous. You just sit and have a substantial meal and think, do you know what I'm done now? Yeah. I don't think Ben means have a dinner before you go to dinner. It's like have have breakfast (laughs) and have lunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just one of those points though, when you do have a vast amount of calories before bed and we are talking quite a lot, like... I don't know, over probably 1,000, 1,500. It can affect your sleep at night. So your actual quality of sleep. Yeah, I mean, you didn't sleep very well at all when you had NES. It's nighttime syndrome, by the way. Yeah, one of the main concerns goes to acid reflux and indigestion because we can, our body can do multiple things at once, but sleeping and digestion once you've had loads of food and then you go to sleep and you're led horizontally, it does affect your GI tract and the way you're eating, acid reflux, feeling sick, 
your digestion so you're not actually in a deep sleep so when you have ridiculous amounts before bed which is why a lot of people with binge eating disorder do struggle having good quality sleep because they tend to have a lot of the food before they go to, to sleep at yeah. night and it makes it really difficult that was more so my point from before being like yeah, yeah, you're saving so. basically all your calories that's like not a that's that psychologically that's not a good place to be it's ba- it's almost essentially binge eating there People, I guess people, if you're doing people that who much eat, well, it's classified that if you do it regularly you have so like a certain percentage of your calories that later on the day it's almost binge eating and people who restrict their food intake during the day are also more likely to binge eat at night yeah. and that was one of the issues that I ran into that I was saving loads and loads and loads later on to the point where it, it got it developed into an eating disorder mm. and that's why you've got to be careful between intermittent fasting and a eating disorder because the fucking two are very closely linked and people who have eating disorders should categorically not by the way be intermittent fasting mm-hmm. should not should be dieting mm. in, that, in that fact but um the other thing that we can do to potentially stop snacking later at night is to have a a meal or dinner your evening meal which is high in protein and also uh, potentially high in fat yeah because the, those two are very satiating having those two later at night will hopefully suppress your hunger a little bit and suppress those cravings that become come on later on in the night um so what i tend to do is i'll have a vegetable stir fry say vegetable stir fry i have it with chicken so i've got some protein in there with the vegetables which is a voluminous food in itself and i'll just cook it in some some oil and fat to get my, get my fats my healthy fats and some protein which often helps satiate me um the other one is it's a bit of a balance don't eat too early don't eat too late if you're gonna eat at six o'clock and go to bed at 11 it's a big window where you're gonna be Hungry in. It's five hours. Yeah, it is. Um, but that's like the social norms of dinner when I get in, six, seven o'clock. And then if you're not going to eat till, and that's all your calories gone, of course you're going to be hungry before bed. Yeah. At the same time, don't eat a big massive meal but right before you go into bed because you digest it. It's gonna, blood's going to be going to the digestive system. It's going to keep you awake. Like it's just not a healthy thing to do. And then like for me, I'll have that vegetable stir fry and I'll have the, the yog bowl. Yog. The yog bowl. The yog bowl is great. It is on the My Coach School new yeah, recipes, which will be it. on the app. Yeah, the other thing that you can do, and I used to do this quite quite often when I was I was dieting, was I'd have dark chocolate before bed. Again, it's pretty high fat. It's very satiating and it's very rich, so it it will suppress appetite quite well. And it's, it is an appetite. It's got some of the health benefits as well. Yeah, so dark chocolate's always a good one. Sometimes some nuts, but mate, I'm not eating nuts before bed. I'm not a nut fan before bed. I eat, I eat fucking almond butter all day, but I'm not having a handful of nuts. Who does that? <laughs> I really love cashews. Would I'm you, in a cashew. Would you before bed? Oh, I think, oh, I really fancy a snack. I could have a handful of cashews. You're a weirdo. Absolutely, I could. No. I think they're such a smooth nut. What? What the fuck's a smooth, smooth nut? I bet there's people listening who've just heard me say smooth nut and they're like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. As in like, the taste is so smooth. Like you've got like walnuts and almonds, which are quite quite harsh aren't they really peanuts like, you have a cashew yeah. and it just kind of melts in your mouth no it doesn't the only thing that melts in your in your mouth is, is galaxy truffle no don't compare cashew comment, to comment on mouth. youtube if you think cashew nuts or cashew I've put a chocolate emoji or nut emoji i'll tell you what people will be putting right yeah, now chocolate or nut. i don't like any nuts i don't have chocolate around it that's a silly thing to do no, it's not apart from peanuts because they're salted to roasted death. almonds no oh Give me a chocolate almond any day. Give me a chocolate raisin. Wow. 
<laughs> you calm yourself right down. Chocolate raisins. That's my absolute. Nah, those chocolate things we had in Australia. Went. What were those stores called? Oh, uh, Coles. Coles. If oh, you're listening from Australia, my God. Sorry, I probably owe Australia about five hundred pounds worth of. Ben just used food. to used eat chocolate nuts in the, the superstores all the time. Um, but the other thing you didn't do. Um, do you know what the best thing is actually? For avoiding overeating before before bed. Mm. Go into fucking bed. Go to sleep. You can't fucking eat if you're asleep. <laughs> can you? Unless you come back upstairs or down. Yeah, there. but you're already asleep. Most people don't do that unless you've got mm. nighttime eating syndrome like I had. Mm. That's the best protocol. The other thing is obviously look at your sleep protocol as well. Because if you're not tired and you can't get to sleep, you need to look at what you're doing before bed, blue light exposure, um, reading, how much you're on your phone, etc., etc. before you go to bed. And they're pretty much some of the points that I'd implement if you were snacking a lot later on the day. Try some. See how you go. Yeah, 100%. And now we dun, can dun, talk dun. about the cold showers, which you had mentioned before. The only reason I'm going to speak about this is because the other day I was in the shower. I had a great shower. Do you know when you get a shower and you're like, this is a great shower. So I'm going to spend a bit longer in it. I don't often spend that long in the shower because I'm just like in, out, ready, go. There's different categories of shower yeah. for me. I'd if agree. I'm having I'm having a bod wash, I'm in and out, I'm washing my body, I'm not washing my hair. If I'm having a relaxing shower, washing my hair and shaving my legs and exfoliating, I'm going to be in there for so much longer. Mm-hmm. Every, every girl will understand exactly what I mean there. Different categories of shower. Really kind of being in there for guys a Guys do a different one. There's, there's, a, there's one that guys do at the sink, which is just armpit and balls. The, the odor zones. <laughs> You need to wash your knees then as well. Why? Your knees stink. Oh, thanks. Why do my knees stink? Ben yeah. has these, right. Ben has these freaking knee sleeves. Everyone has this problem. No, 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 no. Ben's knee sleeves, I don't think they've been washed since you bought them. Yes, they have. They were in the washing machine. No, fact, by the way, anyone who's got knee sleeves who trains and has put them in the washing machine, they come out no different. Right. The only way that you would get rid of that smell if you were to put them on a fucking bonfire and then take them off. <laughs> and then buy a new pair. Yeah, exactly. Basically, the other month, Ben had these knee sleeves on and me and Cal were like, something really stinks. You were pointing we didn't that know guy. what it was. <laughs> I was pointing guy at a guy next to me. I was saying, I think he's like something really... But it smells like... It doesn't smell like sweat. It smells like acid, like a sour, <laughs> like a sour acidic poo or something. <laughs> like poo. really, no, acidic poo. But then obviously we realised it was Ben's knee sleeves. They and he had them on this morning, and he turned around and I was just speaking to Carl. Ben had walked past and I went, "Bloody fucking stink!" And Carl went, "He hasn't got them on anymore." <laughs> You Dude, got them on. When it hits so you, your knees, it's like someone's popped a water balloon full of piss on your, your face, knees, isn't it? It's horrible. Your knees need a need a what you just said there a sink wash. No, I mean I've had a shower. Yeah, because I told you to. But I was gonna get one. Like I wasn't going to get a shower. <sighs> Stinky knee which sleeves. Take me for? Yeah, but the knee sleeves are disgusting. <laughs> They're horrible. They're horrible. We'll buy me a new pair. It's just not. If anyone anymore. if anyone pisses me off, I'm just gonna mail them a knee <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> They'd pass out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's worse a funny than, video yesterday. That's worse than popping Carl your tea bags. Carl was showing me a, uh, a TikTok of the ammonia videos on, t- um, do you know? Ammonia, yeah. Yeah, the, where you do the sniffing salts as this guy is sleeping <laughs> in his car. <laughs> he just comes back like that. Deep breathing really heavy, snoring. <laughs> this guy snaps one of those ammonia snicks, sticks and put it right underneath his nose. He's like, <laughs> 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 he <laughs> he does shoots proper, yeah. <laughs> 
was like, oh, I found that so funny. <laughs> if you've ever, s- like they're horrible dead, though, those, those sniffing rock salts. Yeah, I've done it before when I was lifting, it blows your head off. Right. Never mind when you sleep though. It must be horrible. Anyway, back to our cold showers. Yeah. Yeah, the, the reason why is because I was getting a shower anyway. <laughs> and then I had a great shower, finished the shower and I turned, instead of turning the off knob, I turned the cold knob. So I had a great shower, boom, cold water. Mm-hmm. Pissed on my whole day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Have you ever done that? Whole day ruined. Might as well get back in bed. I think cold showers can be wonderful. I've just not had... I went through a period of doing it not for like two months. Not when it's not expected. But I've not had one for a very long time. Not when it's not expected though. Yeah. You've got to be ready for that shit. You've got to... You, it has to be cold, I think, before you go in. Yeah. Because if you're nice and warm and then turn it cold, that's a real shock to your system. Well, that's like hot, hot and cold therapy, which are briefly touch on but yeah there's i think it's called hydrotherapy yeah it is mm-hmm. there's a there's a big sort of rage on this through lockdown which i spell the spell some misfairs because a lot of people have been jumping on the, the bandwagon with it and people just hyperventilating with it and think it's going to recover better when you don't so first the cold showers or cold water immersion does not increase your testosterone is that what people think it increases well, testosterone? It would shrivel your balls instead. It, it, it's it? a doobie serum testosterone, and it doesn't increase it. By the way, if anything, it fucking hinders it because the it it does the opposing effects. Like people use it to to try and su- suppress inflammation, which is what you want from when you're lifting. You want inflammation of the cells when you are training. Um, so the, like the, redu- the reduction of muscle temperature, like you slow down that process. Mm-hmm. So, you, which is what you essentially you don't you don't want. If the if the if the primary like objective is to build and repair muscle, like you shouldn't really be using ice baths. I think the reason why people look at them and go, "Oh, that looks good," is because Mo Farah or Usain Bolt been sitting in a wheelie bin at the side of the Olympics in a in a cold ice bath, and they use that really small factor of the trains to determine someone's greater success. Mm-hmm. These copy role models it doesn't actually do anything. There was a study also. Uh, where they're looking at cold water immersion versus active recovery and to see what like works best and active recovery is far better. So post-workout, if you're absolutely goosed, it's better just to sit on a bike for five or ten minutes than to sit in an ice bath for recovery. Yeah, I guess it depends on the level though. Like we used to have ice baths when we It doesn't depend swam. on the level. It doesn't depend on the level. It's fucking study, which has showed... One study. There's been multiple studies. Hmm... What are you trying to say? I just feel like they do have their place sometimes. They have their place. And do you know what the place is? vaso and vasoconstriction and vasodilation. Yeah, but their place is psychological. Okay, I'm going to do some more research. The physiological... No, I'm not saying it doesn't have some kind of impact. It, it has does, some sort of impact. But it, it doesn't does. have a big enough impact to be like, ice bath's great. You better sit on, sit on a bike and just pedaling for post-recovery than yeah, an ice I bath. Yeah, I get that. So why not do it? I'm just kind of, I'm toying By the way, the idea that they still I'm saying have. this, I'm going to have an ice bath in my house and I'm going to have a sauna <laughs> because the psychological benefits from it are great. Yeah, well, the psychological benefits in terms of like, it helps reduce stress. Yeah. It, that like, it's, I think a lot of people have heard of it in called like the Wim Hof method, isn't it? Yeah. And one of the biggest things is it does increase endorphins and it reduces your stress levels. And the point with the cold showers, this isn't. This is not technically talking about like recovery or anything that's to do with ice baths. Yeah, so you're talking about you're talking about health benefits. Yeah, health benefits of cold showers imposes a small amount of stress. I would say it's a large amount of stress. 
on your body. I'm more stressed when I get out. Yeah, which was <laughs> really cold. Which leads to a process called hardening. And this means that your nervous system gradually gets used to handling moderate levels of stress. The hardening process helps you to keep a cool head the next time you find yourself in a stressful situation. Oh, hardening. It, it, he, I think he has called, I think Wim Hof has called it hardening. But, but I, the way what, that I... the opposite effect for me, hardening. My <laughs> penis goes inside no, no, me. No, 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 no. The process is called hardening, oh. which means that your nervous system gradually gets used to handling stress. So because you've put yourself in a stressful situation, like under this ice yeah. cold shower, in everyday life, as your life progresses through the weeks, the more cold so showers you have, you're building up layers. On- ogres have layers, like onions. Onions. Um, that they can tolerate it. Yeah. I think that's the whole, that's the, the uh, that's more of like a wellness benefit, yeah, yeah, isn't there's it? There's health and wellness benefits. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm purely talking about physical performance and recovery. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's no there's no real benefit there's, there's health and wellness benefits obviously one of those being psychological because ice baths have a positive effect on the central nervous system which helps you sleep and feel better and then also it helps something called t helper cells which help the immune system as well yeah. so it increases beta endorphin endorphins and helps activate the sympathetic nervous system which can sometimes give a feeling of like well-being and optimism as well. So essentially, the main benefit of cold showers are be or like of a mental, but like you said as well, willpower. Like there's not much that's going to happen in your day that's potentially harder than sitting in a freezing cold ice bath, freezing your tits off. Yeah, I think a massive benefit is the aspects that it brings to your daily yeah. life in terms of willpower. Like managing to get up and put yourself in a cold shower. People do it for minutes, they do it for seconds, whatever it is. Or when people go into a lake. And they dip under and they do it as like that is like How hydrotherapy. Cold that one we did at that gym shop shoot, by the way. Oh yeah, my god. Freezing. I got up to my ankles and I was like, nope. Yeah, I swam across, didn't I? Yeah. That was really dangerous, Lucy. But yeah, increase increased willpower. Yeah. Mental uh toughness. I'll have one when we get in the new house eventually. Sauna and ben, a nice bath for, ben for really cold, hot wants, and cold water therapy is it called. Yeah, Ben really wants a plunge pool. Not a plunge pool, just well, it's kind it of It is a plunge pool little bit different but yeah <laughs> um but i think that was all i noticed i had on ice baths and cold water therapy no it was for me but you've actually reminded me that i should probably start doing it again cold sh- we were doing them through lockdown again it was more so the mental thing you do feel refreshed sometimes when you get out of a cold shower you're like oh. i think it's harder in winter though because like you get you get in it's cold you're in the shower it's cold and you get out it's yeah, cold oh, it's cold yeah yeah but again though it's just something that the more you country. do it like when you've done it for a long period, I mean, yeah. yeah, this is, if you live in Australia and you're basking in the gorgeous sunshine, you know, I'd be having cold showers all yeah. the time. We're talking about like being in the UK, being in the freezing cold. What yeah. are you done with your headphones? Being in the freezing cold, doing it, getting out, the willpower, the mental strength. But it, I think it takes quite a long time to be able to create a habit of it. Yeah. and do it consistently i've completely got out of that habit i've uh, not done it for months we did it for months and then we stopped for months yeah. so it might be quite hard for us to get back into it and it'll be a good two months consistently habits. doing it before we create a strong enough habit that it does just become subconscious yeah. and we automatically not that turn it. doing cold showers yeah <laughs> i like i sit in a cold plunge pool because it feels a bit more mm, feels a bit, oh yeah feels a bit more alpha yeah no yeah no what i don't think it does i think it does when I sit in it, I'm not going to grunt. I'm going to go, oh, it's cold. 
<laughs> I was going to hold you under. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good in water, though. You're not the best in water. Yeah, but it's it's fucking four foot deep. It's not even going to drown. <laughs> if it's even deeper, then that's where I start to panic a little bit. You start to panic when you can't put your toes yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, it's always been a bit of a situation, hasn't it? Indeed. But thank you guys for listening really appreciate you tuning in again to this episode i would just remind you that we all run the competition from this episode you can win yourself a load of my protein goodies if you leave a five-star review on the podcast which we will really really appreciate a massive massive thank you we haven't done it yet but you will have been for all those who attended the mcs 10 events oh my god yeah you will have been so we're recording this episode to go we're recording this episode two or three days before the MCS 10 12 event. days ago. And also my birthday. So we haven't done it yet, but we're just saying thank you for all the people who attended. Yeah, we're really, really excited. It's this Saturday. Yeah. And we're hoping to continue to raise as much money as we can for Breast Cancer Now, mm-hmm. which is really, really an incredible charity. But yeah, that, that event hopefully will have been absolutely amazing. Looking at our little calendar on the wall. Yes. I've got a calendar where filled in all week. <laughs> I was just looking at the cameras before. I was like, I hope to God they can't see that yeah. because there's so much stuff in it that <laughs> Imagine, we're going to have yeah. to blur it out. Yeah. If you guys can see it because it's all the stuff to do with the app, I'll have to double check that. Yes. But yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. Don't forget our app does launch on the 19th of November, which is a Friday. Get yourself prepared. Make sure you do sign up to the waiting list so you are notified it's going to be incredible. We're very, very excited. And as always, we do appreciate your support on everything that myself and Ben do. Indeed. Have a wonderful rest of your day, wherever you are in the world. And we'll catch you in next week's episode. Bye, Bye guys. Bye, guys.